0: Welcome to Magic School, where you'll learn how to level up every aspect of your life and make your everyday magical, one step at a time, with magic that works. I'm your host, Vervain, and this is what I do. I help people claim their power and level up the witchy way. I'm on a mission to fill the world with beauty, grace, and magic, and to help others find and share the magic within themselves. I do this through divinatory coaching by co-creating and holding space within Oil Coven, and by creating magical content like this. Divinatory Coaching is my approach to tarot reading and other types of divination, whereby I help you craft empowering questions and divine inspiring answers to gain the confidence you need to make the decisions that matter most to you and take action where it really counts. Oil Coven is my online circle of badass witches from around the world who are brought together by our mutual desire and commitment to leveling up with plant magic. We use plant magic in the form of Young Living Essential Oils and the power of collective vision to level up our wellness, our magic and manifestations, our relationships and community, our abundance, and so much more. You can learn more about Oil Coven and my Divinatory Coaching Services by visiting my website at vervainandtheroses.com. What's up, witches? Welcome to Magic School. In today's lesson, we're going to be talking about quelling demons. Yay! (laughs) Um, More specifically, I'll be sharing about a recent experience I had, part one of which was a definitely demonic nightmare, and part two of which was a shamanic journey in which I revisited the scene of the nightmare and literally slayed the demons that came to haunt me. So I'll be sharing about what that experience was like, how I diagnosed the problem, how I prepared for my journey in the material realm, and what happened when I entered the trance state, including how I prepared myself in the spiritual realm, Zhong Kui as a helping spirit, determining the true nature of spiritual entities, destroying demonic entities, and then like the lessons that I brought back to the material realm from my experience in the spiritual realm. But before we get into today's lesson, let's go over last week's homework. <laughs> So I'm so excited because one of you did actually write to me on Instagram and send me some voice messages about your experience trying your first ever shamanic journey for last week's homework. So you had the person who wrote to me um, chooses to remain anonymous, but is has granted me permission to share their voice messages here. So let's go ahead and listen to what she has to say.
1: Uh, so I did the um, uh, the uh, Lily and Eden. Meet your spirit guide thing, and so I like was listening to it, laying on my bed headphones, and like a cover over my eyes, so it was like super, super dark, and it was like kinda okay, it was like fine, it was kind of like I was very conscious of where I was while listening to it up until like the chakra point, uh starting at the crown chakra, and it's it's like so hard to describe like what happened next, but it's like. It it was, like, I w- dipped below, like, like imagine, like, a body of water. It's, like, I dipped below the surface of consciousness and then popped back up with, like, a different awareness level. It was really weird. And then, uh, like, instead of having, like, just, like, seeing kind of, like, a dark gray black, it was, like, I saw complete pitch black. And then, like... In the darkness, I saw and like like I actually like saw this. It wasn't like in my brain or like in like the mind's eye or whatever. like I saw an upside down triangle like glowing and like pulsing purple, and then it was like going through a tunnel, and, like I'm like seeing this stuff, right and uh, and like seeing like flashing like images and shapes, like a lot of uh, like sacred geometry kind of kind of thing. And, like, numbers and other things that I can't really describe or conceptualize very well. And then it was, like, a panel above me, like, shattered open. And I could see, like, these flashing images of just, like, random normal people that I've never seen. Like, there was, like, a woman with, like, shorter hair smiling and then, like, an older guy in his 50s. And, like, like it was like I was just seeing faces of random people that would be, like, in a crowd. And then to the left of, like, that panel, there was another panel that, like, busted open, and it was, like, some humanoid entity thing wearing maybe, like, armor or a helmet or something, and he was, like, looking at me. I think it was, like, masculine-ish, and this thing was, like, looking at me, and I could tell he was, like, smirking and smiling, almost making, like, a kind of, like, hey, you should come with me kind of motion. Uh, and then, like, it, like I snapped back to reality, and I, like, suddenly became conscious of where I was. And, like, like throughout that whole time, I didn't hear Lily and Eden talking. And then ne- at the end of it, I suddenly could, like, I heard her talking again about, like, the next chakra. And, like, I became hyper aware of, like, laying in the bed and, like, the sensations, like like, all the tactile sensations. So, really weird. <laughs> and then I just couldn't get into it, like, for the rest of the time. Uh, after that so that that's that's it so after
0: i heard this i asked her whether she felt like she had been forced out of the journey by some external entity or whether she feel felt like her own consciousness had pulled her out of the journey because of some like strong emotional reaction like whether it was because of fear or just shock or surprise or just like rejection of the 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 vividness of the experience um so i asked her that and this is what she said
1: yeah i think it was like more so me kind of i don't know like getting like too cuz like i remember like when it like when i saw that triangle appear my like i had like this back background thought like holy shit this is happening oh my fucking god and i think maybe like as things kept going like more of like my rational logical brain was like okay bitch what the fuck is all of this I don't get any of this doesn't make any sense I don't know what's happening and more so kind of like it was like my subconscious was like driving and then suddenly my conscious brain was like all right we gotta we need to figure this out we need to analyze and intellectualize this because this doesn't make any sense
0: and given that response what I told her and what I would tell any of you in a similar situation is that first like that is so cool that she was able to have that experience and and to because she told me not in the voice message but she told me in writing that she straight up didn't believe anything was going to happen when she tried this like she tried it she was open to it but she did not think that anything was going to happen that she was going to see anything at all and or have any like quote unquote journey and was totally shocked when this was happening and um and at how real it was you know and so what I told her was that I thought That A, like, that was, that is so, so cool that you were able to get that far on your very first try. And B, like, if you know that it was your own emotional reaction that pulled you out of it, now that you know that you can take some time in on this plane, you know, to get comfortable with the reality of the experience and to get comfortable with what happened and to come to terms, really is the phrase, come to terms with the the process that you're engaging in and come to terms with the reality of this the spiritual experience that you're having or at least the vividness of it and you know like I said in the last episode like if you're having trouble suspending your disbelief just tell your inner critic that you know right now you're going to experience it and then later afterwards you can analyze it and decide whether or not what you just experienced is quote unquote real or not or whatever um but you know, let your inner critic sit, come along and sit in the backseat um, and observe. And then after the journey and the experience is over, you and your inner critic can have a little conversation <laughs> and, you know, satisfy that part of yourself. So, yeah, I would say that if you find yourself in a similar position of being, of you know, pulling yourself out because of just a strong emotional reaction to what's happening, Um, Or a strong logical reaction, I guess, or rejection of what's happening, I suppose. That really is what it was, right? It was the logical or analytical rejection of what was happening because it didn't align with our material experience, right? And uh, if you find that you're having that same or similar experience, I would just suggest to you that you take some time to journal about it and come to terms with it and try again try again. You know, it's like uh, lucid dreaming, which like I said I've I don't have a whole lot of su- I haven't had a whole lot of success with dreaming period. Um, but I have had the experience of when I'm when I was trying to learn to lucid dream of, you know, realizing like, "Oh, I'm dreaming." And then getting so excited that I'm like finally realizing that I'm dreaming in the dream that I wake myself up. And that's You know, that's part of the challenge of it. Right. It's like to control your emotions to keep you from pulling yourself out of the experience, because that strong emotional reaction or rejection of the reality of what's happening will pull you out of the experience. And that's what's happening in the lucid dreaming, too, is like when you're like, oh, I'm dreaming, you're rejecting the reality of the experience. Right. On some level. And I think when we do that in the journey as well, we're we're rejecting the reality of the journey and pulling ourselves out. So you can take some time to come to terms with it and go back in. And just, you know, go back in and practice and keep going until you get all the way through, until you are able to engage with that other world cohesively. So speaking of last week's homework, by the way, there are some aspects, some parts of today's lesson that might not make a ton of sense to you. If you don't have any familiarity with shamanic journeying or you didn't listen to last week's lesson. So if you're just popping in listening to episode three because slaying demons sounds cool, I would really recommend that you hop back to episode two first because it's going to kind of lay the foundation of where we're going to go in this episode three. So um, if you want to, you know, if you want to really be able to follow along with the whole slaying demons via shamanic journey, uh, you might want to have a little foundation in shamanic journeying, which is what episode two is for. So if you haven't done that, go back, listen to episode two. I'll wait. Okay, good. We're all caught up now. So without further ado, let's get into today's lesson, slaying demons via shamanic journey with, I must add, the indispensable help of Zhong Kui who I will talk about in a bit. So our last two episodes were structured more like lesson plans, and this one is going to be more like a story. So instead of breaking the info down textbook style like before, I'm going to give it to you in narrative form. Um, But I think that this is actually the best way to tell you about this thing, um, and that's why I'm doing it this way. Duh. Um, So every shamanic journey is different. Every demonic experience is different. And I can only speak from my own personal experience, obviously. So please don't take anything that I say as like, this is what demons are always like. And you can do this with any demon or like your your shamanic journey is going to be just like this. And if you do this, you're going to have the same spirits show up to help you. That's not what I'm saying. Please take those words out of my mouth. Thank you. Okay. Um anyhow, so I can always speak from my own personal experience, but hopefully it can help you. Um right when I was coming out of this experience, I shared about it briefly in my Instagram stories and a number of you expressed that you were really interested. Some of you said that you or loved ones have struggled with really intense nightmares and sleep paralysis and other similar stuff. So, I mean, I can't like without having, you know, been there or talked to y'all or whatever, like I can't say that oh yeah that's definitely demonic and like this is definitely going to fix it um and i mean i even if i can say it's definitely demonic i can't say this is definitely going to fix it i can just tell you this worked for me and a lot of you seems to think that this sort of thing might be helpful for you so that's why i'm sharing this today and i really hope that it helps you and if it does please let me know and if it doesn't i guess let me know too thanks okay so even though i will be telling this more like a story i am going to share a lot of information and tips along the way This is less, I I just said this, but this is less of a here's how you do it and more of a here's what I did, but it definitely worked for me. So this is aligned with my mission of sharing magic that works. And while this sort of magic can take a lot of confidence and courage, it does not require a lot of materials or experience. A beginner witch could absolutely do pretty much everything that I did in this in the story that I'm going to tell you in this episode. And as long as you're secure in your power as a witch or really just like in your power as a human being, as a sovereign human being, uh, I truly believe that you have nothing to fear. The main thing is you do need to be able to journey. You do need to be able to get in a trance state and uh, surrender to your sacred imagination, which is what last episode was about. So again, if you've never journeyed before, go back and listen to episode two, An Eclectic Witch's Guide to Shamanic Journeying. Um, And then I've also listed a bunch of additional resources in the show notes for that episode, like... um, Uh, additional reading or like some tracks that you might want to listen to that might help you get into a trance state, that sort of thing. So without further ado, I want to give you guys a little bit of exposition about the nightmare, the quote-unquote definitely demonic nightmare that I had that I woke up from that inspired me to do this whole thing. Um, I don't want to share too much, though, because I thought long and hard about like how much of the nightmare to share with y'all, and the truth is it was terribly and utterly disturbing. And the sorts of things that I saw and heard in that nightmare are not things that I generally want to record into a microphone for posterity. And they're certainly not things I want you to have to hear on your way to work or while you're folding laundry or scrolling Pinterest or whatever it is you're doing right now. That said, I do want to share a few details because they feel important and I feel like they help answer the question of how did I diagnose the problem? How did I know it was demonic? And like a little bit of exposition of like what the nightmare was like is going to really help you follow what's going on when I go back to that place in my journey and deal with those same entities. So just so you know, You've kind of been warned, like, this episode does include a few references to dark and terrible things. This episode is literally about slaying demons, which means that it is about demons. And demons are not just, like, a fun, uh, interesting word for a fun, interesting thing. They are. Um, it's it's a word for what I have. You know, I I, I spent like I said, I've spent, I said in previous episodes, I've spent a lot of my life as a skeptical witch, as a very skeptical witch, you know, really like withholding judgment on every little aspect of magic and witchcraft and things that I couldn't see and touch and measure with my own eyes, hands and scientific instruments. But, um, I've just had, after enough years of journeying and enough instances of, like, seeing shit and, like, having shit happen and, like, seeing the way that shit manifests, I don't know. Like, I just can't not believe anymore. And this is actually, maybe I'll do an episode about this because I'm kind of, going through slash, like, just this week went through kind of a a crisis of belief, I guess, and uh, I'd love to talk about that, but what I'm saying is that I spent a lot of my life not really believing in demons or not really knowing if I believed in demons, but I think when you get to the end of this episode, A, you'll have a better idea of what I mean by demons, and B, um... uh, At at least what I mean by demons, I am definitely certain exists. Um, And I'll give you, well, no, I don't want to spoil it for you. But I learned their names, okay? And I'll tell you their names at the end. Because it's not like, well, that's not one of their names. I mean, maybe I just accidentally summoned a different demon. But I'm not really scared of that one. And I'll tell you, you'll see why when we get to the end. Okay. Okay. The point is, trigger warning, demons and demonic shit moving forward. You've been warned. So let's see. Okay. So how did I know that this nightmare was demonic? The first thing is intuition. I literally just knew. Like I woke up from this nightmare and there was no moment of like, what was that? It was was literally a moment of like, oh, that's what demons are. I guess demons are real because that was definitely demons. That was definitely not just a nightmare. Um, and you know, it's okay to re- to listen to your intuition. It's okay to rely on your intuition for things like this. And also, that's another episode that I would love to do in the future is kind of like how to tell the difference between your intuition and your ego voice in your head. Um, so if that's an episode that you want, let me know. Um, the other thing is, it was this was highly unusual. This wasn't just like, a nightmare. So like when I say highly unusual, I am somebody who never remembers my dreams. I know a lot of witches like to do a lot of dream magic and a lot of lucid dreaming and shit. Shamanic journeying is my way of lucid dreaming because I just don't remember my dreams and I've like kept dream journals and I mean, I've I've remembered, you know, maybe like 2-3 dozen dreams in my life. Okay, maybe more than that. But like not very many dreams ever have i actually remembered and the ones that i have remembered have not seemed terribly meaningful like i have a really vivid memory of this dream <laughs> when i was like 6 of literally just like floating in the ocean with an octopus and the octopus was dancing that's the whole dream <laughs> so like if you would like to tell me what the deep spiritual meaning of that dream is please let me know but like most of my dreams are really like, it's really clear what they're about and a usual nightmare for me. So I do have nightmares sometimes. But a usual nightmare for me is like, I'm at work and everything is broken and no one else is there to help me run the store. And then I realize I'm not even supposed to be at the store alone and it's against the rules and fuck. (laughs) Or like, I remember that I'm in school. I'm like registered for school, but I haven't been going for six weeks and I'm failing everything. And I've like just realized this at the beginning of my dream. Um, or another nightmare that I have is like, I'm in school, but for some reason I'm naked and either everyone notices or no one does, but it's terribly awkward for me. Or I like, my teeth are falling out. Like, these are the things that I have nightmares about. Okay. (laughs) And those are like normal nightmares for me. Like I wake up from that and I'm like, that was a nightmare. That was not pleasant, but you know, it's over now. This was like, brief synopsis, (laughs) very demonic figures doing very demonic things some of them i was gonna say mildly but it's not mildly i'm trying to like soften the blow for y'all some of them pornographic all of them disturbing two of them were humanoid the rest of the entities were not humanoid (laughs) um there was a ton of blood and gore it was not pleasant there was i'm not gonna describe it but there was a ton of blood and gore and just like disembodied pieces of creatures and like weird, twisted creatures and disembodied voice. It was just, it was, it was bad. It was terrifying. Okay. And I stumbled upon this scene of these things happening. I was literally like at a party and I'm now can, in retrospect, looking back, I just arrived at this conclusion the other day, but in retrospect, looking back, I'm pretty sure that like a few of these demons had kind of been living inside me doing their thing for a while And when, like, some of them invited in, like, two of their friends, which I'll I'll explain that later, hopefully, I remember. Um, They basically there were enough of them and enough of them were, like, lively enough that they decided to literally throw a party in my head. And I think the demons were literally throwing a party in my head. And it was just, like, so loud that, like, my subconscious knew there was a party and dreamed about being at a party. And I'm at this totally normal party, and I go through this door into this, like, there's this trailer that's, like, attached to the house. Like, imagine, like, an Airstream, but it's, like, attached to this house. And so I go through the door into the trailer, and in the trailer is where all of this demonic stuff is happening. And the first time I come across it, I'm literally just, like, this is not my thing. Like, this is not really my part of the party. I'm just going to shut this door and walk away. And then I was like, hold on, like, this isn't okay. Maybe I should try and stop this. And I remember going back to the door and opening it again and kind of like looking around and being like, I wonder like how I can put a stop to this. Cause they were like so engrossed in doing whatever demonic things they were doing. And there was a light switch on the wall. So I like flipped it a couple times. It didn't seem to affect the lights. Um, but like I flipped it a couple times and eventually they all just went away. And It Like, the room was suddenly totally normal. It was just, like, a totally normal, non-demonic trailer, lit normally, not like the dark red lights that there had been, uh, which I didn't say, but now you know. And I was like, huh, okay, cool. I guess that's dealt with. But then I kind of, like, doubted it, and just to check, I flipped the switch, like, one more time, and everything came back, and it came back with a vengeance. And I was suddenly, I was trapped in there, um like it was locked and then there's this disembodied voice started counting down to my death basically and told me was like reciting this multitude of like violent gruesome and painful ways that my death was going to happen simultaneously um and that was you know not cool i wasn't really cool with that so i woke up um <laughs> and that's the nightmare so i and i woke up i i'm a late sleeper I, I like I go to bed late and I wake up late for other humans late for what other humans do I guess so I tend to go to bed between like three and five and then I tend to wake up between like nine <laughs> and noon and um I think I, I went to bed around like 3 34 that night or morning and I woke up from this nightmare at like 7 18 in the morning so I woke up sat like bull upright woke up um at after like three and a half hours of sleep which is you know not enough like this was not I don't know so that was that was that was not normal for me um and I I noticed also like what another thing that convinced that like makes me feel like these are actual spiritual entities and not just like my imagination is that they, didn't actually like seem to have a problem with me or like want to do anything to me until I threatened their power. Like they were just kind of like living inside me, throwing their party, going about their own business. And I'm sure that it was parasitic in a way, you know, I, I, I can look back and I can see ways in which their presence was negatively affecting my life. Um, and well, we can talk more about that later but um they didn't like actively immediately in the now try to do anything terrible to me until i threatened their power by trying to make them go away with the light switch um so that was that was a red flag <laughs> if the scene before me was not enough of a red flag the way that they reacted to having their power threatened was a big red flag so i woke up um and the first thing that I wanted to know was, like, what was the source of the demonic intrusion? Um, although looking back, I'm not sure how much that matters. I think the methods that I used probably would have worked regardless. But I wanted to know, like, was this something within me? Was this something that was, like, within my home? Was this something that was attached to my husband? Um, and the reason I say that is there were only two things that were different that morning from usual. So because I woke up so early, I woke up next to my husband. Usually he works early he gets up early he there are days when he gets up and goes to work before I go to sleep um and so that morning I woke up next to my husband even when he's off usually he's like awake and out of bed before I wake up um so I woke up next to my husband and he does have a history of of demonic issues I would say and he's in a much much better place now but um that's not rule him out as a possibility. And uh, the other thing that was different was that I had had a panic attack the night before. Um, I had found out um, some stuff and I had had a panic attack. And (laughs) so just as like a a precautionary measure or like a first step in the process, I smoke cleansed me and my husband and the room as a whole with uh, an herb bundle. And I used a hagstone to peer around the room. So if you don't know what a hagstone is, I'm sure you guys know about smoke cleansing. I'm not going to go too deep into that. If you don't, just type smoke cleansing into the, the big ass, the big Google. You'll you'll find some stuff. Um, and then a hagstone, for those of you who don't know, and for those of you who do know, you may have heard different things about it. So I'm going to go into what, what I have understood about hagstones and what has been my experience with them just very briefly. A hagstone is a stone that has had a hole worn all the way through it by water. So a natural hole worn all the way through the stone by water. You usually find these by creeks, rivers, by the ocean, um, by natural bodies of water, because that's where the water is going to wear a hole through the rock. And um, I had always heard that You couldn't, like, look for these on purpose. You had to either, like, find them serendipitously or be given one. And I'm not saying that that's true for everyone. I'm just saying that, like, that's what I'd always heard. So that's what I went with. And the one that I still have, actually, I had never found one. I'd always wanted to find one. And when I finally found one, I found, like, seven in one week. And, like, I swear I was not looking for them purposefully. But I gave away the other like five or six of them as gifts um to other magical people and i only kept one or possibly two but if i kept two i'm not really sure where my other one is um but i kept one for sure and i have it like on a chain with my jade knife or jade dagger which i'll tell you about in a bit um cuz that also comes up in the story and so that the hagstone Lots of people use them for protection or just for good luck. But I have always heard that you can look through the hole in the hagstone. uh, Basically, you close one eye and look through with the other eye. And you can see... What I was told was that you could see fairies. You could see into the land of fairy. And I always thought that was really cool. And um, I have never personally seen a fairy through a hagstone. Um, I may not just be a fairy person like the fairies may just choose not to reveal themselves to me and that's fine um but what i have found through various experimentation is that i as somebody who do not i do i can sense energy like i can feel it with my body somatically but i can't usually see it um with very few exceptions like i've seen i've seen a couple things with my bare eyes but generally i don't see energy with my sight um but through the hagstone that i have i have been able to see energy i was able to detect a portal in my house with a hagstone which is another thing that i like feel self-conscious bringing up because i feel that like we start talking about having portals in your house people are just gonna assume you're like lying for attention but I'm practicing not caring about that. So anyhow, I used it to detect a portal in my house as well as some other like weird AF energetic bullshit that was existing around the portal, presumably that had come in through the portal. Um, And that was really like my first experience using the hagstone and having it actually work. Um, and so since then, whenever I'm like looking for visual clues of energy, I'll I'll get my hagstone and I'll look through my hagstone. So I got my hagstone. I looked through my hagstone just to see what I could see in my room because I wanted to make sure that like basically if this was something that I could deal with by doing a deep energy cleanse on my room, I didn't really see the need to like go in myself and deal with it. Although still my intuition was telling me I was going to have to go in myself. So anyhow, I looked through the hagstone at my room. I really didn't see much. I did see kind of like a fog around the desk that was in the abundance corner of my room which was like super cluttered and that whole corner of the room like i've been on a Kanmari journey and i have actually i had actually um done some amount of work on every inch of the bedroom except for the abundance corner with that desk in it everything had kind of gotten like shoved in that corner while i was dealing with other areas and i had known for a while i had been feeling intuitively pulled to like get back to that and work on that corner So, when I saw that, I was like, okay, I feel like I'm just seeing this, like, clutter energy of, like, this is what I need to clear out and work through, which I have since done that. So, that's really cool. Um, But I didn't feel like that was, like, a demonic energy that I was seeing. I think I was just seeing the energy of the clutter. Okay. So, with the hagstone, I determined that the problem was probably in me, (laughs) Um, or at least I was going to go find the fuck out um but it it was <laughs> it was in me um but i did smoke cleanse my husband as well just in case so that 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 blah 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 okay so how i prepared for my journey in the material realm after the smoke cleanse and the hagstone vibe check um it, like i said attached to my hagstone is a jade dagger when i say dagger it's not sharp enough to actually cut anything it's it's like a I'm pretty sure it was designed as just like a piece of jewelry, but um I bought it it's 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 a ceremonial, well, I don't know if ceremonial is the right word. It's a ritual, it's a magical dagger. <laughs> Let me put it that way. It's a magical energetic dagger. It's not meant for actual cutting or stabbing of things, um just for cutting and stabbing of demons. So literally actually. So even though I was a little Um, Iffy on whether or not I believed in demons. I did definitely believe in like dark energy for a long time um, or in like negative manifestations of energy, I guess. And um, I had become familiar with Zhong Kui. So... Zhong Kui, if you don't know, which you probably don't because most people don't, and I certainly didn't until I got really, really into Chinese tea and started spending a lot of time at a Chinese tea house um, with a man who has a pretty close relationship, as I understand it, with Zhong Kui. Um, Anyhow, Zhong Kui is a Chinese folk god and or a god in Chinese folk religion. Which in Chinese folk religion they don't really differentiate between like little gods, big gods, humans who became gods, the god. Um, it's it's like the same word for everything. I'm pretty pretty damn sure. Fact check me. Um, so Zhong Kui is actually a human who rose to the level of god through his story, which I'll tell you very very briefly. Um, he was studying, he was, he was a student studying for the Imperial exams. He wanted to become uh, an official in China. And that's how you do that is by passing the Imperial exams. And he took the Imperial exams and he actually had the top score. He came out first. He got, he got the best grade in the Imperial exams of anybody. Um, but he was denied the position that he should have rightfully earned by doing that. Uh, because he was deemed too ugly. So basically they were like, you know, you're really smart, but you're too ugly to actually be an official in the palace. So no. And there's a couple versions of the story, but the one I'm most familiar with, he protests this by literally bashing his head against the palace steps until he dies. Okay. Okay. So that's his, like, origin story. And then he became really popular. I, th- I think it was maybe a dynasty later. I'm not really sure. When the emperor at the time had a dream that this demon basically had, like, stolen one of his concubines' purses. And maybe some, like, a an instrument or something. I forget. And he had this dream that this little demon was running around with this stolen purse. And then this bigger demon was running around after the little demon and like slayed the little demon and got the purse back and like gave it back to the concubine. And then in the dream, like told the emperor that he was Zhong Kui and that he was sworn to uh, protect humanity from demons and ghosts. So Zhong Kui is sometimes known as the demon queller or the king of ghosts and demons. Um, he's a king of hell, basically, and uh, he's he's kind of become a god slash demon who is in charge of all of the other ghosts and demons and in charge of basically keeping the ghosts and demons in check so they don't cause too much trouble for humanity. So, according to this, if you're ever having trouble <laughs> with ghosts and demons, Zhongkui is sworn to protect you from that. And, um, from as far as I can find, I mean, I think it's, it's always a good idea to have a ongoing respectful relationship with any spiritual entity you plan on ever asking favors from. Um, but similar to, so Guan is another, um, Chinese folk deity, I guess, um, or Chinese Buddhist bodhisattva, depending on your source, um who I work with and I've done a lot of research on this because there was definitely a a bit where I felt like both called to work with these spirits and also like do I have any right to work with these spirits like these are Chinese I'm white and don't know my roots like (laughs) am I allowed to do this and the truth is that in both of their stories so a like no Chinese person has ever indicated to me that they would have any sort of problem with this. Um, and B that, um, so Guan Yin, it's literally part of her story that she is sworn to help. Like she, it is in the nature of her being. If anyone, no matter who, if anyone calls her name in prayer, asking for mercy, she will grant it like that. She cannot help, but do that. It's in the nature of her being. Um, so, you know, there's nothing in there about, like, if Chinese people, um, ask, beg for mercy, then she'll help Chinese people with mercy and compassion. Um, that's not what the story says. Um, and same with Zhong Kui, like, he's not the mercy and compassion one. He's the demon hunter, the demon queller, the king of ghosts and demons. But, like, there's nothing in it about, like, he's sworn to protect Chinese people from ghosts and demons. Um. Like they may have better luck working with him just because they're more familiar with him. But as far as I can tell, um, and I see this like because like Chinese people haven't had a problem with it, but also, like Guan Yin and Zhong Kui have not had a problem with me working with them. They've been very responsive to me. Um, and Zhang Kui actually, like, I did not ask him to show up. I actually, like, I didn't expect him to show up because I actually haven't had. Um, I haven't spent time. The last time that I worked with jean Kwe, I had spent a little bit of time before, like becoming familiar with him and pouring tea for him and like looking into like, how could I honor him and work with him? Um, and then I just kind of, I, I had like one experience and I fell out of it and I didn't really think about it again. Demons weren't really a problem for me personally. Um, it didn't come up again. And, That was when I had bought, before was when I had bought this jade dagger. Now, I looked, guys, I looked for the source, and I could not find anything about why I might have chosen to get a jade dagger to represent, like, for demon slaying with jonquay i i cannot find any information about that but i swear to you that the only reason that i bought this jade dagger was because i had read something somewhere that made me feel like that was a demon slaying tool and i feel like it was something about Kuei, but it may not have had anything to do with Kuei. but i read something somewhere okay guys i can't find it It may not have been, I mean, like, you know, it wasn't like I found many sources that agreed on this, but it was like I found one thing and I was like, you know, this resonates with me. Let's let's do this. Let's see what we can find. So I found this little jade dagger. I'll put a picture of it, like in the blog post with this episode. Um, but it uh and I have it on a chain and on the other end of the chain I have the hackstone. So those are kind of my like Ghost hunting, demon slaying, dark energy, problem solving tools. um, And I just have them on a chain together. And that's just how it works. So anyhow, preparing for my journey in the material realm, I I, I had this dagger with me. I made sure to have this dagger with me. I had already gotten the hagstone. And I just, when I went into the journey, I just like held these on my center, basically. Like I just had them on the center of my body and I held them. Okay, so I also before I went in, I slathered myself in white angelica. White angelica is an oil blend that is well known among oil witches for uh, energetic protection. Um, it's basically like wearing a full body. If you if you like put it on your body, or if you put it on anywhere and just like wait for it to be uh, dispersed through your body, um, it's basically like wearing a full body armor of white light and It feels, energetically and spiritually, it feels amazing. It also smells really good. Um, And I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a bit when we get to the plant magic minute. But we're not there yet. So I slathered myself in white Angelica. Um, I also, this is important. I secured peace and quiet by explaining to my husband what I was doing. So you don't have to explain to anyone what you're doing, but you do need to make sure that you have peace and quiet if you're going to go on a journey um that you're not going to be disturbed cuz if you know if somebody comes in and they like need something from you while you're journeying it if you're not really good at this it may break the trance um it may you know bring you out of the trance basically it may mess with your imagination with your sacred imagination with your journey all that stuff so do what you can to secure peace and quiet and privacy um or if your husband is really cool just let him know like hey you can be in here but like don't talk to me <laughs> Don't touch me, um. Which is basically what I said, and he's he's really cool. So, uh, and then I started up a good long drum track on YouTube and began to enter the tra- trance state. Um, the drum track I usually use it's like a three hour long YouTube video, and um, obviously I never use the whole thing. Well, maybe not. Obviously, someday I may use the whole thing. I've never yet used the whole thing, um, but it's uh, it's really great because it's just open-ended. I'm not worried about getting cut off, you know. I always know that I'm going to have time to complete my journey before the track is over, and that's really important to me. Um, also, again, if you don't know what I'm talking about, please go back and listen to episode two. Okay. So, um, oh yeah, and that's also where you should go if you want to know about like how to enter the trans state because I talk about it in there. Okay, so next I told you that I would tell you what happened when I entered the trance state? So I've told you how I prepared myself in the material realm. Um, Now I'm going to tell you how I prepared myself in the spiritual realm because I did some other stuff. So you don't have to change your clothes in the material realm necessarily. But I always, if I'm going in with a purpose, I always check, like, consciously choose what I'm wearing in the spiritual realm. So my first thought, and I'm I'm going over this. This is also another episode that I'm thinking about doing is about, like, in real life as well and in, in journeying or spiritual work or whatever, but, but also especially in real life, um, how the different colors that we wear can affect our energy and the way that our energy is protected or projected into the world and the way that we are perceived and the way that, um, other people's energy affects us. Um, it just, it just, the the colors that we wear, the things that we wear affect our energy. So, much that i i could and literally will do an episode just about that so look forward to that but i just want to mention that i i thought about wearing black because you know black is so often associated with protection but i've been realizing lately that the reason that black is associated with protection is it's like a cloaking device it's it's it hides us it um it hides us and the way that it hides us is it hides us in darkness. And I was kind of thinking uh, this is a bit of a metaphor, but like the one ring of power in Lord of the Rings. So like you put on the ring and it makes you invisible to people and, and normal living beings. Right. But as you become invisible to those beings, you become extra visible to the spirits and the forces of darkness um, to the powers that are attached to the ring. And um I think that's kind of a good metaphor here. I, you know, I think wearing a lot of black can hide us. It is literally a way that we hide from other people um to make ourselves unapproachable. But I think that by making ourselves unapproachable to the forces of light. We are perhaps making ourselves more susceptible to the forces of darkness. And I'm not saying that wearing black is bad. I certainly do it a lot. I wear black all the time when I'm working in customer service, and I do not regret that decision, but I am definitely more susceptible to the forces of darkness when I am in customer service. And you can debate amongst yourselves whether, like, where you, which direction the cause and effect goes in over there. But anyhow, point is, I decided to wear white because white is not cloaking it's reflective and white reflects light that destroys darkness and i have just definitely like when somebody wears white they shine brighter literally physically and also spiritually and energetically than when the same person wears black and you can do this experiment yourself you know Go in front of your mirror and put on black and then go in front of – and take a picture maybe and then go in front of your mirror and put on white and, like, just notice the difference in how your – how you feel when you look at yourself and how you feel when you wear those things and both, like, how visible and how safe you feel in each one and then, like, how – positive or negative or neutral you feel like whether you feel it has any effect on your emotions on your energy on your like energetic shielding anyhow so I feel like white is more or black is more like cloaking and shielding and white is more like or not black I mean black is like a, a different kind of shield but white is like a reflective shield and is a color of literally of the light it reflects all the light so that's what I wanted to wear to fight the demons, and that's what I did wear. I, I just made sure that I was wearing white. That's all. That was a long TED talk about wearing white. But um I'm gonna give you an even longer TED talk on that in a future <laughs> episode. <laughs> okay, so that's the first thing that I did when I entered the spiritual realm. The other thing that I did, so I told you in my last uh in lesson two that um I have this place that I always go in my shamanic journeys. Not always, but often um one of the spirits that I work with the most is Odin and, and I've just kind of defaulted to going to what I call Odin's castle. Um, and I, I don't, he may have other castles or other homes. I don't know, but like this is, this is where I met Odin the first time. Um, it's where I can go to find him most of the time. And it's also, it's it's like my home base in the spiritual realm. Like I have a, I have a room there <laughs> and shit and it's, it's great. So I went there and I'm in like the the atrium, I guess, um, where and my tiger is there by the fireplace. So I went and I checked with my tiger and I got a big tiger hug. My tiger is one of my main animal guides. And um, I almost went demon hunting with my tiger because I kind of like, you know, we got together and we're like, you know, we're tough. We could handle this we could handle this and we had the energy and i was like literally like on my tiger's back like ready to go and then i we were just like you know or i maybe it was me i don't know i was like you know i kind of feel like we have the right attitude but i would like a little more guidance like i don't actually know what i'm doing and i would just really like some guidance from a spirit who can like talk to me. My tiger has a very comforting and protective presence, but has never spoken words to me. Uh, maybe some other people have animal guides that speak to them. I don't. Um, so, but I did get a lot of comfort from my big tiger hug. So that was good. Um, I waited for Odin or for like any guide who was willing to help me and Odin might have showed up at one point, but if he did show up, he just kind of gave me this look that was like, this is not my thing. Like, I see what you're doing. I see what you're here for. I commend you. But, like, I'm not the person to help you with this. Um, I don't really do the whole demon thing. And um, I'm like, okay, cool. But I remember there being, like, nobody there at this point. And um, I felt like no one was coming because I was scared. They, like, they could tell that I was scared. And they were like, oh, she's not, like, actually ready To fight these demons So like why bother trying to help her If she's not actually ready And I just straight up shouted To this big empty room It's time for a plant magic minute Magic is all about energetic protection. Whether you're getting ready to slay some demons or you're an empath venturing out to buy groceries, we can all use some energetic protection. Whenever I have to spend time in large crowds, expose myself to negative people, or, you know, slay demons, my go-to plant magic is White Angelica. White Angelica is an essential oil blend specifically formulated to neutralize negative energy and protect the spiritual body. It contains black spruce, coriander, hyssop, and sandalwood to cleanse and purify, myrrh, geranium, and rose for spiritual protection, and bergamot Lang and Melissa to uplift and nurture the spirit. I just put a few drops in my hands, spread it over my body from head to toe, and envision myself surrounded by white light, like full body spiritual armor. Then I say, I am guided and protected. If you need this plant magic in your life, visit my website at vervainandtheroses.com slash shamanic journey. There you'll find more information, including the link to purchase this blend and become a member of Oil Coven. That's it for this plant magic minute. Speaking of plant magic, this podcast is sponsored by Oil Coven. Oil Coven is an online circle of badass witches from around the world who are brought together by our mutual commitment to leveling up with plant magic. We work with plant magic in the form of Young Living Essential Oils to level up our wellness, our manifestations, our relationships, abundance, and more. When you join Oil Coven, not only do you get a 24% discount on all Young Living products, you'll also be invited to exclusive Facebook groups, events, and more. We have several online events each month, including Coven-exclusive moon circles and potions club meetings, and sometimes we throw tarot tea parties. We also hold classes on things like crystals, runes, affirmations, and how to use them in tandem with plant magic. It's so much fun. Joining Oil Coven is as simple as saying yes to plant magic. There's no starter kit required, and you never have to sell unless you want to. Join Oil Coven to begin leveling up with plant magic today. To learn more and see our schedule of upcoming events, visit slash oil coven. And I just straight up shouted to this big empty room and I just started yelling and I was just like, of course I'm scared, but like, I'm fucking here. I'm gonna do the thing. Like, this is fucking demons in, I like, uh, you, you, yeah. Of course I'm scared. If you'd seen the demons that I'd seen and woke up from the nightmare that I woke up from and you'd heard this disembodied voice counting down to your death and all the terrible different ways that you were gonna die in your nightmare. Like, you'd be fucking scared too, okay? So don't fault me. But like, even though I'm scared, I'm here. I'm here to do the thing. I'm here to hunt down the demons and slay them. And it's okay that I'm scared. I'm still ready. And basically, like, as soon as I said that, John Kuei appeared. Like, I don't know if it was even, like, still yelling. Um, I just remember, like, yelling to this big expanse of a room. And as soon as I was done, um, noticing that, like, John Kuei had showed up right behind me. And like I said, like, I wasn't really expecting him to show up because I hadn't spent time like honoring him or anything in a long ass time, but I guess, um, (laughs) I I guess he liked my speech. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Anyhow, um, he showed up and I have notes here to tell you who John Kui is, but I already did that. Okay. So the first thing that I did actually, when I saw Zhong Kui was, um, I, I thanked him for coming, but I checked his ID. So, I talked a little bit about checking spirit ID in episode two, but I'll just, I'll just review real quick. Um, so like, just to be safe, you know, I was like, Hey, John Quay, like, thanks for coming. Um, but also like, I know you'll, I know you won't mind because you're the demon queller. So like, you know all about how tricksy demons can be, but I need to make sure that it's really you. And um, he was cool with this, uh, but I like took a step back and I pointed at him, possibly with my jade dagger i don't know this is in the spiritual realm i don't remember i didn't actually use the jade dagger in the spiritual realm um i may have held it for certain things uh i may have held it later when i was using the sword i'm not sure um but just having it with me in the physical realm felt like really positive and protective um but i pointed at him for sure in the spiritual realm i pointed at him and i said i command you to reveal your true self I command you to reveal your true identity, or I command you to reveal your true form. I don't remember. Maybe it was identity. I don't really don't remember. I don't think it really matters. Um, Self, identity, form, name—kind of same thing. Um, True is the key word, (laughs) and uh, nothing changed. So, and I, you'll see later. Like I, I've had experiences where I make this command to a spiritual entity, and they do change, Um, and that is a red flag. Um, <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's... I was a little nervous, to be honest, like, I, commanding a god to do this. Um, but I did, like I said, like, I, I told him beforehand. It wasn't just, like, he appeared, and I'm like, bam, I commanded you to reveal your true self. It was like, hey, um, I like you, and I trust you, but also I just woke up from a demonic nightmare, and I don't trust anything right now, so... I'm gonna do the security thing that I always do with spirits. I don't know one hundred percent that I can trust, and um, yeah. So I just made sure he was really John Quay, and he was. So that was cool. Um, and uh, then I, you know, I expressed my gratitude again, and I asked for his advice slash help. Um, I was like, hey, this is what I need to do. Um, like I, I had this demonic nightmare. You probably already know, and like I need to go like slay some demons and shit are you down and he was like yeah i'm down and <laughs> um, and so he took me to the place from my nightmare only it was isolated so like i told you this trailer was like attached to this house in the nightmare well he took me to like the trailer was in front of us but we were just in this like big dusty expanse of like i don't know like a parking lot or something like felt like we were just, like, out in the middle of the desert. But it also felt like a parking lot. And this trailer was just, like, in it. And uh, it was probably, like, 100 yards away from us. And uh, we're looking at it, right? And I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? And so it, it wasn't like we had a conversation where he told me what to do. It was, like, with him being present, I knew what to do. And I just, like, knew things that I... Did not know consciously before things that I had never really like thought of before things that I I guess like I, you know, I have some contextual background information where like, if I'd been feeling really creative, I guess I could have put together some of these ideas, but I, I don't feel like I did. I feel like I was guided to put these things together in ways that I hadn't understood before and that I wouldn't have thought of myself. So, um... Anyhow, so it was like with him being present, I just knew what to do. Um, it was it was like he was guiding. It was like he was guiding my intuition, if that makes sense. Um, like my intuition didn't feel like it was just my intuition. It felt like my intuition was like reading from the John Quay Demon Quelling Manual, basically, and like telling me what to do. Um, so the I called upon the power of the sun, and. I've been really realizing like how important this is and how like, it makes so much sense now. (laughs) I mean, it's always made a lot of sense in a lot of other ways, but it makes a lot more sense to me now in this particular way, like why the sun has been at the center of so many, if not all, I don't know, pagan religions across history. Um, The sun is fucking powerful. Like we know the sun kills viruses we know sunlight kills bacteria. We know light destroys darkness. So I'm here to translate for you what John Quay translated for me is that the power of sunlight properly channeled can kill demons, can destroy demons, or at least can destroy manifestations of demons. So, I, I mean, I would say, so like for example, one of the demons That showed up. I'll I'll give you a a, a tiny spoiler alert. One of the demon's names was fear. So do I think that by slaying this fear demon. That like all fear has been destroyed from the world. No. I'm not that dumb. I'm not that naive. But do I believe that for at least a few brief shining moments. After I came out of this journey. I was free of fear. Yes. Yes. Have I probably already let it back in in several subtle, small and subtle ways? Almost certainly. So I can actually say that this sort of demon quelling experience is probably something that I might like to do more regularly as a sort of like energetic cleanse of myself. Um, I would be very interested to go back at other times and see what demons i might find to be plaguing me then um but i i know that like you know the amount of fear the ways in which fear was affecting me and i I, i'm pretty sure that it was like i opened the door to fear you know that's really easy to do you crack your window it comes in um it's like a fog and you'll see i know that now um but you know fear can let in other things like i don't think i let in the panic i think the fear let in the panic and we'll get to that. Sunlight. The power of sunlight. So, I called upon the power of the sun. I basically asked the sun to, like, fill me with its light, fill me with its energy, and I remember, I think I told you in last episode that I will, in my journeys, when I need to do magic, it's like I will, like, carve, not carve, but I will feel runes, Um, on the backs of my hands, usually just one at a time, but I guess that could change in the future. Um, and so on on the backs of my hands, basically. Um, I. I didn't like do anything. Like I didn't like grab a knife or anything. I, I just like chose for the backs of my hands to be. Um inscribed with a glowing Sololo rune which is like the S rune but it, it represents the sun um, and it's it's also like a rune of success it's a rune of a lot of other things but the, the main thing that it is is it's the sun Sol, Solow. it's got a couple different names um, it's like a ziggy zaggy S so that was on the backs of my hands and it was like glowing yellow white light um, in the shape of Solo. and I could feel that like my hands were empowered with the sun, basically, um, and that, that that rune was like part of that. So in my journeys, I will often use different runes in this same way to channel different powers in, in ways that are, it's just way easier to do this in a journey where I'm traveling through my sacred imagination than it is to do this like in the physical world. Although I've I've used this technique in the physical world as well. It just doesn't glow. You can't like see it as much, or I can't see it as much. Maybe, um, if somebody who is clairvoyant could. Um, okay, so I expanded my own inner light, um, like with the power of the sun. I had solo on my hands, and I also had a sword, like a long ass sword, um, made of sunlight. Um, I guess you can kind of think like a lightsaber, but it was kind of like a almost like you see those swords that like the Knights Templar have where they're like really long and like these really wide hilts. And I don't know. It was like, it was like that, but like made of like yellow white light, um, like sunlight light. Okay. So with those several methods of like channeling the sun um, and sunlight, I opened the door of the trailer um, to see the exact scene from my nightmare, and again, I just knew what to do. So, if you've ever seen the movie Labyrinth, um, first off, if you've never seen the movie Labyrinth, go watch it. David Bowie is a legend. Um, it's it's just it's fantastic, and uh, yeah, it's it's fantastic. That's all I have to say. Um, and then, if you have seen <laughs> Labyrinth, you'll know there's this scene at the end. There's some real magic in the movie Labyrinth, and here's what it is um the phrase you have no power here you have no power over me that is real magic so i opened this door and just like (laughs) glowing right i say to all the demons in this trailer who are still like doing their thing um but now there's instead of like the darkness of the party coming through the door um there's like all this sunlight from this big ass desert coming in the door and so they're kind of like it kind of breaks their mood you know um and i just look at them and i say you have no power here you have no power over me like we're in my head none of this happens without me none of this happens without my permission and you have no power here and this party's about to be over so pack your bags Basically, um, I didn't say that, but but I did say you have no power here. You have no power over me. And I think that is a true magical phrase. Um, and then so to each of the demonic forms, which I didn't describe to you before, but um, I- I'm just going to refer to them a little bit here um, to each of them in turn, I pointed at them. I don't remember if it was with my finger or with the sword, but I pointed at them and I said, I command you to reveal your true form. And so there were two humanoid figures I mentioned before and they, oh God, I'm like, I haven't described, thank me for sparing you detailed descriptions of what these figures actually looked like because, oh my God, talk about demonic. Okay. Um, but they turned the first one turned into a worm like a writhing wiggling worm and the second one turned into a maggot Um, and then there was this giant like panther like creature made of claws that was actually like attached to the wall by the light switch I don't know it was weird Um, and that one turned into this like strange skeletal black leathery frog about the size of a basketball don't ask Um there was this like mass of blood and gore, um, and that became, it was literally. I'll just tell you, it was literally like a bathtub of blood with like claws, like Black Panther claws and paws like floating in it. Ugh. Ugh. Okay, and that turned into a couple, like a just like a couple ounces of like writhing black sludge and slime. So on the one hand it was like really like empowering to see that like these big scary things turned into these like little tiny like a fucking like worm, a maggot, a bit of sludge, you know? Like they seem far less scary in their true form and their their scary their big scary forms are projections, you know? They're 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 not what they really are. They're just images. They're illusions, basically. And that was really empowering to see. like to see that. and I I, I bet that the power of light also really helped to the power of sunlight also really helped to um force them to reveal their true forms like i don't i didn't try to do this in darkness but i don't know if commanding them to reveal their true forms in darkness would have worked i suspect that the sunlight it might have worked but i suspect that the sunlight is an important ingredient in this here um even if i had done it in darkness i would have wanted to like invoke the power of the sun and yes i do mean invoke not evoke um because you know light reveals things hidden in darkness light reveals the truth often um light light reveals truths that are hidden in darkness okay um so the bathtub of blood and gore became a couple ounces of writhing black sludge and slime like picture like flubber but black instead of green um and then there were i I, so i did that and i just felt like i was missing something because that was like all of the things that i could see in the room that were like clearly demonic Um, But I just remember feeling like I was missing something and I was like, oh, maybe it was the disembodied voice that had talked to me at the end. Like that might actually be the most powerful thing here and the easiest to miss because it's not visible. And so I like pointed probably the sword, I guess, I don't know, at the corner where the voice had come from in the dream. And again, I said, I command you to reveal your true form. And it, it was like this. Aura of darkness that was in this whole side of the room just like collected into this like square foot of fog of like black fog. Um, but it was still like you know, it wasn't solid, it was still a fog, so it was like moving around, floating around. Um, like you, I could tell that this was gonna be like the hardest to destroy because it wasn't, I mean, it was physical in a sense, but it wasn't like solid, it wasn't like you could. I mean, have you ever tried to stab Fog with a sword? Anyhow, let's move forward. So after they revealed their true forms, I stabbed them with the Sword of Sunlight. Um, Each of them in turn. I started, again, in order. Um, Worm first, maggot second, strange skeletal frog thing third, um, sludge fourth, and or maybe the sludge was third and the frog thing was fourth. I don't remember. Anyhow... um, I stabbed them each in turn and it was like, I like stabbed the sword of light through them. And it was like, I could hear them like sizzling, um, like sizzling and burning away. And I just waited until that was done. Like when it stopped making noise and there was nothing left, I pulled the sword out. um, And then I did the next one. And I did that with the first four. And then with the fog, I kind of knew that it wouldn't work. And, um, So I stepped out of the trailer and I created, I guess, like some sort of like Molotov cocktail or some sort of bomb or something, but like made out of sunlight. Um, Like I remember putting like a lot of sunlight in like a bottle, basically, and uh, like the same solo solo energy that the sword was made of, et cetera, et cetera, Um, and like threw it in the trailer and walked away. Now, I'm not... (laughs) <laughs> I'm not encouraging the manufacture of bombs of any kind in the material realm. Um, but in the spirit realm, to destroy dark and demonic forces, bombs made of sunlight, I guess I am encouraging that. Would a bomb of sunlight in the real world be like an atomic bomb? I don't want to think about that. I'm Like I said, I'm not encouraging bombs in the material world. <sighs> Please don't misquote me or, or misconstrue me. Um... But, uh, yeah, you know, bombs made of light to destroy demonic forces hiding out in Airstream trailers. I guess I'm encouraging that. So I threw this thing in the trailer and, like, closed the door and walked away. And I remember Zhong Kui and I, like, standing back and just, like, watching it go boom. And th- the trailer didn't, like, disappear. It wasn't, like, destroyed. But I remember, like... I didn't go back in, but I, I had this like vision of like what the inside of the trailer looked like, and it definitely looked like burnt, um, like charred, you know, um, and but and I so it was like it was basically like the trailer was basically destroyed from on the inside anyway. And, like, definitely nothing inside it that was, like, made of or made by dark forces um, survived that blast. I know that. So I took a moment after the blast to, like, you know, face-to-face with Zhong Kui. I I thanked him um, and I asked him the names of the five demons. Or I guess technically I was really dumb and I actually only asked for four of them. I forgot about the black sludge that one kept like evaded my attention at that moment uh but i did go back later i went about a week later i went on another journey and um i was there for something else but i went and i visited jungkwe and i asked him what was the name of the fifth demon and and he told me so but i would recommend asking all at once if you do something like this um or I sup—I don't know. I suppose you could probably ask the demons themselves. I don't know if they would tell you if they would like to tell you. I don't know. I didn't do that. um, And I i can't tell you if other spirits will be able to tell you the names of the demons. All I know is what I did and what worked for me. So I did work with John Kuei and I did ask John Kuei the names of the demons and he did tell me. So, And this also, this was one of the most important Things that I did. Like, I think destroying them was really important, but learning their names is almost more important because it gives me the power to help protect myself against their return and to recognize them when they start to return. And to like, I just feel like I have so much more power from the knowledge that I got from this interaction. So I asked him the names of the demons. He told me that the two humanoid demons that became a worm and a maggot were lust and pleasure. But I got with the pleasure when I specifically got like the translations in the moment of like people pleasing and comfort um and with lust I've been thinking about this a lot and I've been thinking of it in terms of sensation seeking. So lust in the classical sense is a form of sensation seeking, but there are lots of other forms of sensation seeking that I and probably you <laughs> and many other people um will Do that, that anyhow that that seemed much more relevant to me. So that when I think about that, that makes more sense to me. Um, and and I'll, uh, I want to like interpret more of this for you in a bit, but I'm running out of time. Um, when I say running running out of time, I mean I like after like actually like get ready for work and go to work. But maybe I'll come back and record um more of this later if I don't feel like I finish. Um. So the first two were lust and pleasure, but I got translations for those, right? And then the thing that became the leathery frog thing, um, that one's name was Panic. And also when I got their names, they were like in all caps. Like they were spoken to me, but I could just tell they were in all caps. So in my notes, they're in all caps. Um, The fog was fear. Um, And then, like I said, I actually forgot to ask the name of the fifth demon, the sludge, uh, which is kind of hilarious because when I went back a couple days later to ask... Um, the name that I got for it was self-sabotage, which is like, wow, of course, self-sabotage would be the one that I forgot to ask about. That's like another manifestation of self-sabotage, right? Is like forgetting to get the name of the self-sabotage demon. Anyhow, um, so I thought that was really, 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 really interesting. And I've had so many reflections on that since this journey that I would love to share, um, in a minute if I have time, um, so I thanked Jean Kuei and we returned to the castle um, before I left the journey. And when I left, uh, when I leave the journey, I honestly, I usually just I'm like, OK, thanks, guys. Cool. And I return to my body. I don't usually cycle back through the whole like reverse version of the way that I enter the trance. Um, very rarely do I do something like that. Anyhow, uh, like I said last episode, it's much easier to return to your body than it is to leave it. So the lessons that I brought back to the material realm, I promised you, I would tell you this. And actually, most of this has to do with learning the names of the demons. So the sunlight thing also, though, the sunlight thing is a very valuable lesson. And since this experience, I've been making sure not to just to be taking my vitamin D, but also to be like, I've been taking a vitamin D supplement, and I've also been like making sure to get some sunlight every single day. Okay, so lessons that I got from reflecting on the names of the demons... Like I said, this was one of the most valuable parts of this experience. And one of the things that I've really learned from reflecting on this is that I let these demons in, at least, um, at least I certainly let in like fear and lust or sensation seeking, whatever you want to call it, or and like pleasure or comfort or uh, people pleasing. Pleasure was its name, but it, it, those were like other. Other names or other manifestations of it, I guess. Um, So I definitely let in. Well, I definitely let in comfort and I think comfort perhaps or pleasure. I think pleasure perhaps let in lust, uh, which makes sense. And I definitely let in fear. Like I said, all you have to do is crack a window. All you have to do is scroll social media for a minute and you let a little fear in. Um, All you have to do is open the New York Times and you let a little fear in. All you have to do is like talk to one person in 2020 or 2021 and you let a little fear in. And that's nothing to be ashamed of. Um, But I do think it is something that we should be conscious of. And I do think it is something that we should work to balance out and to perhaps prevent Um, or cleanse ourselves of it's certainly something that I'm going to be like I'm definitely going to be including some affirmations in my practice regularly that are like designed to lift me above the level of fear um, because fear like there may be things that it is valid to be afraid of but the fear does not help like using the fear as like a okay okay This is something that's worth being like, you know, that's worth taking precautions against. But then you take what precautions you can take, and then you stop worrying, right? And then you stop fearing because the the fear lowers your vibration. As much as I hate appropriating scientific terms like vibration, sometimes there's just not the spiritual community has not come up with their own terms. They've only appropriated scientific terms. So if you have a better term that i can use than vibration let me know um but yeah i i do believe that whatever you want to call that like fear lowers yours ours mine and the more that we can all of these things all of these demons that i let in lower my vibe lower my spirit whatever terminology you want to use um and I do believe that it is in my power to stay above that, to rise above that, to balance that out, to cleanse myself of that, to essentially, I'm going to use the word, to vibrate at a frequency that simply does not hold space for those sorts of energies. Um, energies is another one. Um spiritual entities i guess i don't know um so like i said i i let these demons in they didn't come in uninvited i opened the door in a number of ways you know i do go on social media i do talk to people i do let what other people say affect where i'm at spiritually energetically emotionally um not anywhere near as much as i used to not anywhere near as much as a lot of people i know but i i am still vulnerable to that i am still susceptible to that i am still human you know I'm not perfect. I'm I'm still learning and I'll probably never be perfect. I'll, I'll hopefully always be learning. Um, so yeah, I, I let fear in little by little. Um, okay. Yeah, I already said that. We're surrounded by fear, but we have the power to keep our own personal vibrations above the level of fear. I'm pretty good at it most of the time, but not perfect. And this was a lesson in that. I'm like reading from my notes a little bit just to make sure I get everything in here. Um, I let pleasure in and pleasure probably let lust in. I've always been somebody who really enjoys life. Lust isn't always sexual. I think it's about sensation seeking in all forms. Um, But it's really important to me. It's really important to me to not let my comfort dictate my level of courage. So I think pleasure, a lot of times, this, this demon of pleasure manifests as the forces that keep us in our comfort zone. So... It's, it's pleasurable. It's comfortable to stay in our comfort zone. But the things that really matter most to us can often only be accessed by leaving our comfort zone. And so this demon of pleasure, of comfort, essentially can keep us from chasing the light, can keep us from embodying the light by keeping us comfortable, by keeping us attached to being comfortable. Thats been, that was that's been my experience. That's been my insight from from this experience with this particular demon. And then when I got the people pleasing translation of the pleasure one, that one actually surprised me um, because I don't I'm not really a people pleaser. I don't like I'm autistic, which means I like one of the things that that means is that my internal reward system in my brain is more powerful than my social reward system. So I get more brain reward chemicals. By accomplishing things that I think are cool, like making a doodle or reading a book or writing a poem or making a thing, you know, like or having an idea or making words rhyme. Like I get higher internal brain rewards from doing those things than I do from like somebody else approving of me Um, or like being in positive social relationship to me. This doesn't mean that social relationships aren't important to me. Okay. So, sorry, that was my alarm telling me to go have breakfast, but I'm so close to the end that I'm just going to finish. Um, So, like I said, I'm not usually a people pleaser. So, that one described me. Uh, it surprised me. <laughs> I guess it's described me as well. Um, So, that one surprised me, but I had definitely been reconsidering some, like, personal decisions that I had made based on intuition Um, And I've been reconsidering them, not because I felt that I had been wrong before or that it was the best thing for me, but because I was feeling a lot of external pressure and I wanted, I was feeling the pull to make other people happy. So this, and I was like still like seriously considering that when I had this experience. So the fact that this pleasure demon was translated for me as people pleasing, people pleaser, people pleasing, that was a real like um, wake up call because I had been really close to feeling like maybe I should just do this thing to make other people like, you know, to, to please my parents, to please my family, to, to get their approval. Also, you know, part of it was like, it would make them happy, but like a big part of it was like, I wanted that approval back. And um, this was a real wake up call that like, that is not how I need to be making decisions about... My, that is not how I need to be making my personal decisions. Um, things that like literally don't even affect these people. Anyhow, so um, yeah. So that was definitely a powerful reminder to trust my intuition and not let other people dictate my personal choices. The self-sabotage one is really interesting. I actually have a song I wrote, although I've never performed it on social media. I don't know if I ever will. Um, it's called Tragic. But there is a line in it, And when I found out that this demon was called self-sabotage, I immediately thought of this because the line is, these are my pet demons, self-sabotage and despair. They live inside my head. Sometimes they're all that I can hear. And this was a line that I wrote like into, you know, a lot of times when I'm writing songs, like things just flow out. You know, I don't always know even like what they mean at the time. And, um, I mean, I think I had, like, some intuitive understanding of what it could mean, but I don't think I understood that as being, like, literally real. And looking back, I suspect that it was literally real. Because now I know I've had a self-sabotage demon. That makes sense to me. And I'm not depressed right now. I wasn't depressed when I had this nightmare, but I've been depressed before. And I was depressed when I wrote this song, Tragic. So to... to um. To have had a demon called despair at that time makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. They live inside my head. Sometimes they're all that I can hear. It makes a lot of sense. Um, so yeah, I know that self-sabotage is something that I struggle with. And also it's rooted in fear, right? So for me, it all comes back to fear. Because like when we sabotage ourselves, usually we're, we're sabotaging ourselves from reaching big new goals that would require us to level up. And we're scared of the leveling up. We're scared of how it's going to change us to have to level up. We're scared of what we're going to have to leave behind to step into this new thing. Right. Like, okay, I I want I want that thing that's on the other side of this fear. Um, But when I get that, like, what am I going to have to become? What parts of myself am I going to have to say goodbye to? What friends am I maybe going to lose? You know, what what approval am I going to lose? What. What. all sorts of these things you know there's all sorts of things that we lose that we shed when we level up that we leave behind in the layer of the spiral beneath where we're going next you know and um it's a tower thing you know tower the tower card in tarot like when when we shed these things when we lose these things when these things fall apart when they are destructed it's a thurisaz thing as well when they're destroyed for our highest good like there are things that have to be shed and left behind and destroyed for us to move forward and level up. But it's still, we grow attached to these things, you know? And just because we know that it's good for us and we know that it's the right thing doesn't make it easy. Um, And some people never, never finish leveling up, never actually get to level up because they're too attached to these things that they would have to leave behind that they would have to shed that they would have to destroy and that brings me back to comfort and pleasure and the question of like is what you want more important than your comfort than your pleasure than staying comfortable is this thing that you want that you're manifesting that you're that you have to level up to get to achieve to do to be is that more important to you than your comfort and your pleasure or is your comfort and your pleasure more important? So that's a question I'll leave you with. Um, okay, so yeah, it all comes back to fear, um, and I, I really believe like fear is the easiest one of these demons to let in. And I really believe that fear let all let a lot of the other ones in. Um, comfort as well, of course, or pleasure probably let let the others in as well. Um, but yeah, you let fear and pleasure in, and the rest come naturally. Um, so, um, yeah, so the lessons that I take back are be really careful what influences you allow into your mind, into your life. Um, remember that you are in control of what you expose yourself to. So set and enforce clear boundaries. And for me, this is, this is meaning like setting and enforcing clearer boundaries around how I will and will not spend time on social media, um, how much time and, and when I will and will not spend time on social media. Um, Turning off notifications is a good idea, honestly, for a lot of things. Um, You know, having a set time when you go in and you check messages and respond to comments and engage with people rather than, like, doing it every time you get a notification. That's always a good idea. Um, Okay, yeah. Uh, Remember that you don't always get to choose what what happens to you, but you always get to choose how to respond. So like the news, social media, even certain people in our lives can fuel the fear and can feed the demons inside us or influence us to create space within ourselves where they can nest. Um and and yeah, so setting setting and enforcing clear boundaries around how you will and will not allow these things to affect your energy and perhaps even how you how you will and will not um allow yourself to spend time with these influences. So that's that's something that, that's in your control. Um, again, I believe most of these demons were within me for some time. Um, and once panic was there, they basically decided to throw a party. Like I said, I had had a panic attack the night before this nightmare. So I, I do think that was like, I do think that was pretty much the final straw. So since then, um, since this experience that I had, I've been really conscious of my thoughts and behaviors, um, making sure that I don't let fear take hold of me. Uh, being very intentional about focusing on what's important to me instead of blind sensation-seeking. Um, and when I wrote this out, this note, actually, blind sensation-seeking, I was thinking about it. And, like, I was like, was it a blind worm? And then I was like, wait, are all worms blind? Are maggots blind too? Um, and the answer is I don't know. Um, I should look that up or you can tell me. Um, but I, th- I feel like worms are blind. I feel like all worms and maggots are blind. Um, and that just, like... I don't know. I thought that was another interesting layer of symbolism there. Um, blind sensation seeking. Okay. So, uh, oh yeah. Also, by the way, thank you to focus Pocus, um, which was featured in the plant magic minute on episode one. This podcast would not be happening without it. I don't know why this is. Oh yeah. Cause I was said being very intentional about focusing on what's important to me. Um, being very intentional about focusing on what's important to me instead of blind sensation seeking. And yeah, the focus, focus oil blend potion thing that I made has been instrumental, indispensable in helping me do this. Um, I literally like when I get in a space where I'm like, okay, I'm going to get things done. Um, I put it on my temples. I put it on my wrists and I go, go, go. And I go get her. And it's, it's, it's fantastic. Um, I've never had anything else work quite like it. I've tried a lot of focus blends um, and I've had, I've had some mild success with other focus blends, but this focus focus blend is really something. Um, And yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Um, uh, Okay. Other things uh, that I've been doing, being extra intentional about listening to my intuition and trusting it. Um, Again, if you're interested in learning more about how I'm listening to my intuition and knowing what it is and trusting it and stuff, um, let me know. Maybe I'll make an episode about it. If you ever hear me mention anything in passing that you're like, ooh, I want to know more about that, let me know. Maybe I'll go into it more on another episode. Um, okay, and then as for the self-sabotage thing, um, of course I'm wary of it. Uh, I I wouldn't say that I've like mastered it in any way, shape, or form. You know, I, I wouldn't say that I've mastered my fear in any way, shape, or form. I wouldn't say that I've mastered most of these. I do feel like when I had this experience with the demon slaying, there was, there was like a brief shining moment or maybe even like a half an hour when I came out of this. And I do believe I was like completely fear of the free, free completely free of these demons for a, a brief shining moment. Um, but you know, you, you just, you go about living life in the material world and these things are going to slip back in, in little ways. So, Obviously, I would say, yes, they have slipped back in in ways that cause problems for me. Like I am I'm so much more aware now of the ways that fear causes problems for me. And I'm also I notice it much more when it does pop up and I'm much more able to be like, hey, this is not a time for that. Um, We're going to we're going to put that away now. (laughs) We're going to spend some time saying some affirmations and like consciously altering my like vibration or like my awareness um my consciousness uh you know magic has been described as the art of changing consciousness at will so when i notice my fear i will practice the art of changing consciousness at will basically um with self-sabotage some some tips like i said i haven't mastered it but some things that have really helped me accountability um and by accountability i don't You can't just like force yourself to be accountable to yourself. I don't think. I don't know. Maybe you can. But willpower is a limited resource. But having other people to be accountable to is really helpful or having some system to be accountable to has been really helpful for me. So um, teaming up with other people um, and like, you know, committing to them to each other about like what are things that we're going to be working on and then like checking in with each other over time. Even if we're not you know, perfect at doing the things that we said we were going to do, it gives us a reason to continue to try and to continue to try to be better. It gives us a reason to not just give up when we slip up, you know? Um, so accountability is really important. Um, oh, yeah, I, I have this little note here. It says, when I've manifested my current primary goal, then I think I'll be able to say that I've mastered self-sabotage, at least at this level of the game. But I think that's a really big lesson that I'm working through right now, and I'm cultivating greater awareness in this area. So, yeah, I think I don't think I'll be able to say that I've mastered self sabotage until I know that I've like succeeded at the big thing that I'm working through right now. And even then, I suspect that self sabotage will pop up to try to prevent me from leveling up to the next level, but maybe I'm just speaking that. Maybe that's not necessary. Um, maybe as I level up this next time, I can learn the lesson that the self-sabotage is not necessary and the attachments are not necessary and the things that I'm scared of losing are not that important. Okay. So, real quick, resources to share, further reading, further education, stuff that you can use, etc. So, the main resources that I would direct you to for this episode are actually the previous are the previous episode, which I keep mentioning, and then the stuff that I listed there. Um, I would definitely check out the stuff on my website at vervainandheoses.com/slash shamanic journey. Um, especially the white angelica, if you're planning on doing any sort of this sort of work, any of like work with like dark forces in journeying, um, or anywhere. It doesn't have to be in journeying. If you're doing like yeah, any sort of work with dark energy, I would really recommend working with white angelica. Um, or yeah, even if you're not like intentionally working with dark energy, but if you're a highly sensitive person or if you're at all empathic, it's really great for energy shielding. It's really good stuff. Um, at that website for shamanic journey, you'll find some journey tracks linked there. Uh, you'll also find some information about John Kuei. So, um, I'm going to put some stuff there and then I'll also have linked there some books, um, that, Uh, like books podcasts other resources that I think might be helpful for you if you want to learn more about journeying in general um etc 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 okay homework it's time for the homework so your homework for next week subscribe rate and review please it really helps the podcast and it really helps me know what you enjoy and don't enjoy about the podcast when you write and review. Um, you can also message me directly if you have thoughts about like things that you'd like to see or things that you liked or things that you didn't love. Um, but yeah, subscribing so that you can stay in touch and stay caught up and stay up to date on all the newest episodes. Um, and then rating and reviewing really helps other people find this podcast as well. So if you found it helpful, please do rate and review it on Apple Podcasts so that other people can see Um, whether or not this might be something that they'd be into. Um, The rest of the homework for this week is fun and transformative and you are powerful and you are strong and you are courageous and you can do it. So here it is. Um, And again, if you haven't done the homework for last episode, go back and do the homework for last episode. It's going to be really important preparation for this one. So go on a journey and ask your guide or your guides if you have any demons plaguing you. If they say no, congratulations that's the end of the homework um but i highly i highly doubt that that will be the case um but if that is the case that's really cool great job um yeah unless you've had the most amazing unless you've like just had the most amazing energetic reset of your life you probably have at least one demon um ask your guides to prepare you if they have any tools or advice to give you for fighting your demons um if they do accept it with gratitude If not, you can use anything that I told you about in this lesson, uh, especially sunlight and any tools that you can create with your imagination um, that are like imbued with or made from sunlight. Um, Ask your guides to take you to your demons and to support you in defeating them. You can use the techniques that you learned in this episode, or if your guides or your intuition lead you to do something different, that's cool too. So like I said, like John John Kwe didn't like, as far as I can tell, he didn't, Like, fight the demons for me. He just gave me the information through my intuition of, like, what to do. So it's my hope that the information that he gave me can also be of service to you, even if you don't work with Jon Kuei. If you are able to work with Jon Kuei, that's really cool. But if, if you're not, I'm really hoping that you can just use the information that he gave me and that that information can be helpful for you. Um, but your guides may also have like additional information for you. Your intuition may lead to you to do something different. That's cool, too. Um, do not forget, though. Do not forget to have your demons reveal their true forms and get their names. Um, you could probably ask their names. I don't know. Or you could ask your guide or your guides. Um, I suspect that that if you ask your guides, they'll be able to tell you. Yeah, so definitely get their true form, see their true forms, ask their true names. Um, those have been so helpful for me. Um, and then tell me how it goes. So you, you don't have to tell me everything. I understand that some of what you discover may be private or personal or whatever, but I would love to hear anything that you're willing to share with me about your experience. Um if you share with me, please let me know if you would prefer to remain anonymous because I would love, 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 love to share about y'all's experiences and any questions that you may have on next week's homework review. So if you send me a, a story or a question or whatever, um, I I am liable to select it to mention it in next week's homework review. Um, just let me know if you would prefer to be anonymous or not. Um, if you don't tell me, I'll probably say, like, this is from whatever your name is. Um, uh, but if you tell me that you want to be anonymous, then I will say that this person wished to remain anonymous. But this is the story that they shared. So that's that. And I hope to hear from y'all this week about your experiences fighting demons. And, uh, yeah, if you have stories that you want to share with me, you can contact me through the contact form on my website, uh, vervainandtheroses.com. Uh, or I'm working on getting one up at welcometomagicschool.com so by the time you listen to this I may have one up or not not sure Um, you can contact me via email at vervainhellsdaughter at gmail.com and you can contact me on Instagram at welcometomagicschool so that is how you can get in touch with me and how you can submit your homework (laughs) Um, you don't have to submit your homework but it would be really cool I would love to hear from you so I hope you do the homework. I hope it goes well for you. And I really hope to hear from you. And uh, most importantly, I hope that you learned something new today. If you did, I would love it if you would take a moment to share what you learned on Instagram or wherever you're active on social media and tag at Welcome to Magic School so that someone else can benefit from your learning too. I should be clear, you can tag at Welcome to Magic School on Instagram, but that's the only place where Welcome to Magic School has a social media right now. So Otherwise, you're just going to have to tell people how to find us. Um, (laughs) But I would love it if you would share what you learned and tag me so that somebody else can benefit from your learning, too. If you haven't yet, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review Welcome to Magic School on Apple Podcasts. You can stay up to date and be a part of helping other witches expand their magical knowledge, too. Thank you so much for listening. Have an absolutely magical day, and I will see you next week on Welcome to Magic School where you'll learn how to level up every aspect of your life and make your everyday magical one step at a time with magic that works. Woo!